Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, Micah Van Hus continues laying out details for the earth as it was. Watchmen on the Wall brings clarity to the chaos through this radio program, the books and DVDs we produce, and by the conferences that we hold all over the country. Our next conference is tomorrow, Saturday, March 11th, in Upland, California. This special one-day conference will feature prophecy teacher Donald Perkins, Dr. Larry Spargimino, Micah Van Hus, Josh Davis, and Larry Stamm. Come join a full lineup of speakers as they bring clarity to the chaos with a full Saturday of insight and information. Space is still available. Register today by calling 1-800-652-1144 or simply visit the events page of our website, swrc.com. Friends, what did the Nephilim do to Elohim's creation? Did humans and dinosaurs coexist? Did a layer of water encompass the earth? Let's find out. We are back with another fascinating discussion with Micah Van Hus. Micah serves as the executive producer of Marginal Mysteries through Southwest Radio Ministries. He has written a brand new book, The Earth As It Was. You can pick up a copy of that today by calling 1-800-652-1144 or by visiting our website, swrc.com. Yesterday, we talked about so many different topics from creation to the firmament to animals to the watchers. Today, we're going to jump back into that as we discuss dinosaurs, the flood, Nephilim, and so much more. Before we launch into this great and fascinating discussion, Micah, how can people get in touch with Marginal Mysteries? How can they connect with you and the content that Marginal Mysteries is producing? Well, thank you, Josh. Uh, thank you for the opportunity uh, to come back. And we have a number of social media platforms that we're on, Facebook, Marginal Mysteries, YouTube, at Marginal Mysteries, Instagram, Marginal Mysteries, Twitter, Marginal Mystery, singular, TikTok, Marginal Mysteries, and then uh, email mysteries at swrc.com. Again, the email is mysteries at swrc.com. We got some things coming in the future with Marginal Mysteries. What are some of the things in terms of podcasts and other things that's coming in the near future? We're starting up a video podcast. I look forward to doing that. That'll be once a week uh, video podcast. There's no set time for that. We're just going to go go with it and talk about what we talk about, and it'll be just random links every day. And I just finished my second book, The Earth As It Was. My book before that, my first book I did for Marginal Mysteries was Ancient Cities and the Gods Who Built Them. My next book that I have already started is Secret Societies, uh, where we're going to talk about the Illuminati, Bilderberg Group, even Google. We're going to get into all kinds of secret society stuff and how that relates Mm. to what's going on in our world today as much as we can in the Bible. Uh, It's going to be a fascinating study. Yeah, this is great stuff. So let's jump into it today, and uh, we'll go back with the dinosaurs. How did dinosaurs and man live together? As Christians, we should believe God in his word when he says he created the animals and then mankind on the same day. So I do believe that dinosaurs and man coexisted. 
I believe that dinosaurs and man coexist today. I believe that alligators are dinosaurs. Mm. Of course, you'll find plenty of websites and plenty of evolutionists who say that, oh, that alligators aren't dinosaurs. Alligators have this leg this way and this. And they'll come up with all kinds of reason why an alligator is not a dinosaur. But I'm sorry, you can twist it any way you want. An alligator is a dinosaur. Scientists will say that alligators were here before dinosaurs. So if the alligators are older than the dinosaurs, why didn't the quote-unquote comet that killed the dinosaurs kill off the alligators? Mm. No, I do believe that we do have dinosaurs today. I, I think that we have more than just alligators. The last time the Buru was seen in the Himalayan mountains was 1947. Mm-hmm. It was a uh, hippopotamus-type body with a snake neck and an alligator-type head, very large creature, mm-hmm. 30 feet long. Multiple tribes at distant points in the Himalayas describe the same animal. The last one was seen in 1947. We have the tombstone thunderbird, a pterodactyl-like creature, which is technically not a dinosaur, but lived with the dinosaurs. We have all kinds of reports from Arizona, Texas, the southwestern United States of pterodactyls being seen, of the tombstone thunderbird, which was supposedly in a newspaper in 1895. Many people remember seeing it in the 1970s, but no one's ever been able to produce a picture. Of course, there's pictures online now. Who, Who knows if they're fake or not? But anyway, lots of people have memories of seeing the article of the tombstone thunderbird and seeing a picture in it. So I do believe that dinosaurs and men exist together today. I think that they're almost all gone. I think that the fire-breathing dinosaurs are very dangerous Mm. after the flood of Noah. I believe that knights hunted the dinosaurs as trophies like we have with a lot of the stories. Alexander the Great, he saw a 80-foot-tall dragon when he was conquering his way through India. The local Hindus asked Alexander the Great not to kill the dragon because it was their god. A Roman historian writes about the dragon that Alexander the Great and all his men saw. There's all kinds of stories of dinosaurs and man existing together. There are figurines from South America, over 3,000 figurines of dinosaur carvings, 3,000 years old. There's the Ica stones, which are stones from South America, again, that depict humans riding dinosaurs. The interesting thing about the Ica stones is that they have uh, skin texture on the carvings of the dinosaurs. Mm. Scientists didn't discover fossilized skin until the late 1870s. How did these folks who drew these stones know what the skin looked like on these yes. dinosaurs? Yeah. So, yeah, I don't believe into the lie of evolution. I do believe that mankind and dinosaurs were created on the same day. There are just so many awesome stories of, of pterodactyls that people have seen alive, but it's in the book, The Earth As It Was, so be sure to check it out where you can read about it in depth. How long ago did the dinosaurs go extinct? If you believe that alligators are dinosaurs, I think they haven't gone extinct yet. Mm. I think they just slowly went extinct over time after the flood. There's a number of reasons. First of all, they're very dangerous creatures, Mm. and humankind tends to hunt out animals that pose a threat to them. So I I think that a lot of them went extinct through hunting over time. Now, St. George and the Dragon is a story from 900 B.C. Probably wasn't St. George. Um, It was probably a saint one or two before him, 100 years before him. St. George kills a dragon to save a a damsel from being sacrificed to the dragon. The dragon was so small, it was just a little bit smaller than his horse because dragons have been becoming smaller over generations. Mm -hmm. They just tend to die out. Now, we talked about in the last episode that dinosaurs had nostrils. A lot of dinosaurs had nostrils the size of horses, lungs the size of horses. Mm -hmm. Well, in the post-Diluvian Earth, the atmosphere didn't have enough oxygen for dinosaurs to live. So I think naturally, if the dinosaurs did not become smaller over generations, that they also died from the atmospheric changes. 
why are alligators some of the last remaining dinosaurs? Well, I think because partly because alligators are partly aquatic. I think that mm. the aquatic animals tend to be bigger, larger, live longer lives. And so I think that the more prehistoric animals are in the water. And that's why we get legends of the Loch Ness Monster and all these sea creatures that the Japanese caught in the 1970s and just things going on in the water. So partly aquatic dinosaurs are the ones that have lasted the longest. We're talking with Micah Van Huss about his brand new book, The Earth As It Was. You can pick up your copy of this fascinating book by calling 1-800-652-1144 or by visiting our website, swrc.com. We're going to transition to talking more about the flood now. Is there any evidence today that the flood actually happened? Absolutely. And we talked a little bit about it yesterday, but we do find layers of strata where evolutionists say that over billions of years, the earth just built up over time and you find the dinosaurs on the lower levels and modern stuff on the higher levels. Well, strata is full of interesting things. The dinosaur and human footprints in Glen Rose, Texas, where there's dinosaur and human footprints together. There's also some dinosaur and human footprints in rocks in Massachusetts together. There's some in Tennessee that the Cherokee Indians talked about all the animal footprints with the human footprints, including giant human footprints, 17 Mm. inches long. The American Indians claim that that's where the survivor of the Great Flood got off of the canoe and all the animals walked across that rock. That's why there's so many animal prints. Hmm. All kinds of fascinating stories from our ancient cultures. There's over 270 ancient cultures that say the earth was destroyed by a flood. This is common stuff in mythologies, common stuff in histories. Well, I mean, that's what's going to happen if there's a giant deluge, uh, which the entire planet is wiped out. You're going to have these legends across all of the cultures, and that's what happened after Noah stepped off the ark. In the layers of strata, one of the biggest arguments against evolution are polystrate fossils. Those are fossilized trees that are standing upright through all the layers of strata. Trees do not stand still for billions of years as the dirt just builds up around them. Right. That is evidence of a great flood where the water and the dirt in the bottom of the floodwaters are churning. And you will also find seashells on top of 8,000-foot mountains, and that's Mm. what we find. Mm -hmm. All kinds of whales and sea creatures up in these 8,000 feet up high in the mountains. It is true, the crust of the earth, eventually, if the earth were billions of years old, that the crust would push up and become the mountains and that you could find sea creatures. But I think a more likely explanation is the flood. There's all kinds of stories, all kinds of evidences. I'll just share one. The legend of Roop Kun Lake up in the Himalayan mountains. A five-day journey from the nearest village where 800 skeletons found in a lake up in the Himalayan mountains. Mm. It's called Rupkun Lake. Scientists try to explain, you know, how this happened. There was a pilgrimage. A hailstorm came and killed them all. But I think a likely explanation is that these 800 people were getting higher and higher in the mountains as the floodwaters rose and eventually had nowhere to go and died up in the top of the Himalayan mountains. Mm. So that's the story of Rupkun Lake, and it's just mm. all kinds of fascinating things. So there is a vast amount of evidence that the flood of Noah happened. One of the big questions about Noah's Ark and in the marginal mystery side of things is, where is Noah's Ark today? Mm -hmm. The only clue that that scripture gives us is that the boat landed in the mountains of Ararat. And I don't think that is Mount Ararat itself, but there are the Ararat Mountains. And 17 miles south of Mount Ararat in the Ararat Mountains is the Darupinar site. This site was made famous by Ron Wyatt and a number of other folks. I do believe that the Darupinar site is in eastern Turkey, is the most likely place of the resting of Noah's Ark. I think that the Ark has rotted away. They have found petrified wood. They have found 
metal brackets at the site. And if you look at the imagery, again, in the book, we have imagery of the site. It's obvious that there is a boat-shaped structure that fits exactly the dimensions of what the Bible says that the dimensions of the ark were, which is 300 Egyptian cubits, 530-some feet nowadays. But there is an impression of the boat in the mudslide. All kinds of things have been found there. Ron Wyatt claims to have found the grave of the 12-foot-tall Noah, as we talked about mm-hmm. Noah being 12 feet tall yesterday. As far as the the hinges, they found three metal hinges of a mixture of alloys. Well, it, it, the Bible says before the flood that Tubal-Cain was a artificer of metallurgy. Mm-hmm. So we do know that they had that technology before the flood. Let me take just a second to mention the technology before the flood. Mm-hmm. I believe that mankind before the flood of Noah possibly had more advanced technology than we have today. Mm. One of the most fascinating topics is that of nuclear warfare before the flood of Noah. It is the, I'm going to butcher the name, the Bahar Mistra. It is an Indian weapon from Hindu mythology, from Hindu books. And the words in these books that were written 3,500 years ago describe Mm. a nuclear weapon to the T. A metal arrow was shot into the sky bright as 10,000 suns when it exploded the armor on the men's bodies melted to their bodies babies died in the mother's womb for hundreds of years no vegetation would grow at these sites Mm. the bricks and the walls of the city melted together these are words from 3,500 years ago even if you think that it's crazy that a nuclear weapon exploded before the flood of Noah read these words from thousands of years ago and it describes a nuclear weapon now today in India there's two sites there is three square miles of nuclear ash and the skeletons that they say are 10,000 years old at those sites are more radioactive than skeletons at Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Wow. So the technology that mankind had before the flood, I think, was vast, possibly more advanced than us in some ways. That's all in the book. It's fascinating stuff. We are talking with Micah Van Hus, the executive producer of Marginal Mysteries, a division of Southwest Radio Ministries, about his brand new book, The Earth As It Was. As you can tell, Micah has a lot of important information, things that will fascinate you and delight you. The book is called The Earth As It Was. You can pick up your copy by calling 1-800-652-1144 or by visiting our website, swrc.com. We'll get into another fascinating topic when we talk about the Nephilim. Who were the Nephilim? The Nephilim are the giants that we find in the Bible. A lot of folks you know, ask, what are these giants in the Bible? Well, these are the Nephilim. We're talking about Goliath. We're talking about giant humans. Now, as I mentioned yesterday and today, I do believe that antediluvian man, Adam, Noah, Methuselah, I believe that they were generally twice as big as we are now. So I think just naturally mankind was probably 12 feet tall before the flood of Noah. Now, On top of that, we have the offspring of the Watchers and human women. The Watchers, I believe, are angels that rebelled against Elohim, took on human form, descended on Mount Hermon, taught all kinds of forbidden knowledge to mankind, and had children with human women. And these children were the mighty men of old, according to Genesis chapter 6. They were giants and mighty men of old, men of renown. On the Watchers teaching technology to mankind, forbidden knowledge. The Book of Enoch says all kinds of things, including abortion, astronomy, astrology, that the Watchers taught to mankind. Well, if you look outside the Bible at mythologies, the Sumerians say, Sumerians came up with what we know as writing and scientists Usually when a people have a technology advancement, you can see a lead up to that. You can see this happening, and all of a sudden they discover this, they invent this. Well, the Sumerians 
invented writing overnight out of nowhere. Scientists mm. don't understand how Sumerians came up with writing. Well, why don't we just listen to what the Sumerians say? The Sumerians say that Oannes, the half fish, half man, walked out of the water and said, you're going to worship me and I'm going to teach you all this knowledge. Mm. That is extra biblical. So is the book of Enoch. But the book of Enoch says what the watchers were teaching to mankind, including writing. Now, we bring it back to the Bible. There is one instance in Scripture where I find that the angels teach humankind knowledge, and that is Revelation. John is having a vision of heaven, and a man is measuring heaven, and he's using a stick to measure the walls, 144 cubits, the measurement of a man that is of the angel. So I believe Revelation is telling us that the angels taught the cubit to mankind. Now, that is an instance in Scripture that I believe is the Word of God where angels teach knowledge to mankind. So I think that backs up the book of Enoch Mm -hmm. and the Watchers. So let's bring it back to the giants in the Bible and the Nephilim. First of all, the book of Enoch says that when man could no longer satiate the giants, that they began to eat mankind and drink his blood. They began to sin against the animals. Well, we actually read that in Scripture. When the two spies come out of the land and they say, we're as grasshoppers in their sights, it's a land filled with people that eat the inhabitants thereof. Mm. So right there in Scripture, it's saying that the giants are eating the people in the land. So that, again, backs up the book of Enoch, talks about the giants. So a question I always asked myself growing up, why did God sometimes tell Joshua to kill not only the men, conquer the armies, but kill the women, the children, and the animals? Well, the answer is every single instance where God tells Joshua to kill the women, the children, and the animals, it is a race of giants, the Anakim, the Rephaim, the Zimims, giants in the Bible. And so what God did in the flood to wipe out the giants, he sent Joshua after the flood to continue to wipe out the giants that came back after the flood. Mm. Joshua did not kill them all. Scripture says there were a few races of giants that Joshua left, and eventually David ends up killing Goliath and Goliath's brothers. And so David ends up, the last time we hear about giants in the Bible is is David. So David may have finished the job finally. Moses ends up killing, not himself, but his army ends up killing King Og of Bashan. King Og of Bashan, his bed of iron was 18 feet tall by nine feet wide. Whether that was the bed he slept in or his coffin, King Og was a very big man. Mm. And the Bible says he was the remnant of the Rephaims of the giants. So we have all these giants throughout Scripture, and these are the offspring of the Watchers. Now, something interesting that the book of Enoch says, not Scripture, but the book of Enoch says, first of all, the flood didn't kill all the Nephilim. God sends Gabriel, I believe, down, the archangel Gabriel, down to the earth to cause the Nephilim to kill each other. He sends the Nephilim to war against each other. Now, I do believe whatever was left over, God killed in the flood. But Enoch says that the spirits of the Nephilim could not be taken to heaven or to hell because they're half human, half angel. In the book of Enoch, he says the watchers are reserved in the valleys of the earth under rocks until the great day of judgment where they will be cast into hell. Hmm. But he specifically says the Nephilim, there is no place for them in the spiritual realm because they are half human, half angelic. So they must wander the earth and make trouble among mankind. They must cause mankind to go to war against each other. They cause mankind to be more sick than he ought. They cause mankind to sin more than he ought. So if the book of Enoch is correct, these demons that we have on the earth today are the spirits of the giants from Scripture that died before the flood and probably after the flood. Now, that is an interesting concept that we usually grow up being taught that, you know, there's demons. Satan's the leader of them. Actually, I believe there are actually multiple classes of bad spiritual beings. I believe that the demons are the spirits of the Nephilim. 
I believe that there are more powerful princes of the air, which we read about the princes of the air all throughout Scripture, New Testament, Old Testament. Daniel chapter 10, a fascinating story. Daniel prays. Daniel doesn't pray to God. Daniel prays to an angel, an unnamed angel, and asks him for something. Well, the angel never shows up, but 21 days later, the angel finally comes to Daniel, and the angel says, I'm sorry, I was delayed. I was fighting the prince of Persia. And then Michael, the archangel, came and took my place so that I could come to you. And I must soon go because the prince of Greece is coming. Grecia is coming. So what Daniel chapter 10 tells us is that there are princes, as we read in the New Testament, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities of the air, against high wickedness and spiritual places, something along those lines. Mm. I believe that God placed angels, and I do think he placed fallen angels, over the 70 nations after the Tower of Babel. So let's bring this back to Scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 8, the Tower of Babel has happened. God has separated the nations into their own languages. I believe he separated the nations in between 70 and 72 nations. This is the point in Scripture where God chooses Israel as his chosen people. We've always heard about Israel being God's chosen people. Well, Deuteronomy 32, 8, this is the point where God says, Abram is my people. That becomes Abraham, and obviously it becomes Israel. But Deuteronomy 32.8 says he numbers the nations according to the children of Israel. That's the Masoretic text, the King James. Well, the Greek Septuagint says that God gives the nations according to the angels of God. The Dead Sea Scrolls does not back up Deuteronomy. Dead Sea Scrolls says God gives the 70 to 72 nations to the Beneha Elohim. Mm-hmm. The Beneha Elohim are these same beings that we read about in Genesis chapter 6, the Watchers that come down and sleep with women and have offspring. They're the same beings that we read about in Job chapter 2 when God meets with the Beneha Elohim in heaven and Satan walks among them. These are the beings. After the Tower of Babel, God separates the world into 70 to 72 nations. He chooses Israel, and he sets an angel in charge of 70 different nations. And this is why in Daniel 10 we get to the prince of Greece, the prince of Persia. Contrary to popular belief, Michael is not the leader of God's armies. Michael is the prince of Israel. There are different classes of spiritual beings that Mm -hmm. we fight against, not just the demons, which are the uh, lesser Nephilim spirits that cause trouble on the earth, but also the princes. We're talking about Satan. We're talking about Gadriel. We're talking about Shemyaza. We're talking about all kinds of angels who decided to rebel against Elohim right there in the Garden of Eden. The Watchers came down during the days of Jared, which is the fifth generation from Adam, according to the book of Enoch. All kinds of fascinating things when you get into it. So again, I believe Enoch is correct history, though I don't take it as inspired. Let's face one thing. Jesus calls a book scripture that is not in our Old Testament. So at the time Jesus is on the earth, they have scripture, which we know as the Old Testament for the most part. Well, Jesus says to the Sadducees, I believe, they say, hey, a man marries a woman, he dies, so his brother marries her. He dies, so his brother marries her. Whose wife is she in heaven? They're tempting Jesus. Mm -hmm. And Jesus says, know you not the scriptures, for there is the angels of God in heaven, they are neither married nor given in marriage. Well, guess what? The Old Testament doesn't say that. So Jesus is calling some book that is not in our Old Testament scripture. That is in Mark chapter 12 and Matthew chapter 24, I believe. That story is repeated in both of those. It's just fascinating to study. Almost all of the New Testament authors were scholars of the book of Enoch. Jude pretty much quotes from the book of Enoch in Jude 1.6 when he says, The angels which kept not their first estate, he has thrown into uh, chains under in prison until the judgment of the great day. Second Peter chapter 2 talks about it. 
First Peter chapter 3 talks about it. Repeated throughout Scripture, it's a fascinating topic. Who were the Nephilim? There were the giants in the Bible. A fascinating topic to study. We talk about it in the book, The Earth As It Was, and uh, talk about it a lot on the program, too, with our social media. Yeah, and so we're visiting with Micah Van Huss. He's the executive producer of Marginal Mysteries for Southwest Radio Ministries. You can pick up your copy of this brand new book, The Earth As It Was, by calling 1-800-652-1144 or visit our website, swrc.com today. Again, the book is called The Earth As It Was. We just have a couple minutes remaining, Micah, and it's been a blessing to be able to talk with you and hear these fascinating insights and theories about all these different concepts. We'll turn our attention with the time that we have remaining to the post-Diluvian Earth. How did the Nephilim return after the flood? I have one theory. I don't know that I prescribe to it. That theory is that the daughter-in-laws of Noah had giant's blood in their veins. So in Genesis chapter 6, I was always taught, and this is what set me off on studying these mysteries, I was always taught that God chose Noah to survive the flood because Noah was a righteous man. Yes, Genesis 6 says that Noah was righteous, but I do not believe that Genesis 6 says God chose him because he was righteous. If you'll notice, Genesis 6 verses 1 through 4 say that the sons of God, the watchers, came down and slept with women, and then the giants were born, and there were giants in the land. In the first four verses of Genesis 6, we're talking about the bloodline breeding the giants and the bloodline and the corruption of the bloodline of mankind. Four verses later, it says, God chose Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. That word perfect in his generations means that Noah's bloodline had not been tainted with that what we just read four verses earlier. So I believe that God chose Noah to survive the flood because his bloodline was pure and not bred with the Nephilim. So... In the book of Jasher, which again is not inspired scripture, but it gives us more details about Noah and what goes on. And Noah chooses three of Methuselah's granddaughters as wives for his sons before he gets on the ark. Now, the theory is that those daughters had giant's blood in their veins and that their offspring, that's how the giants came back. I don't know that that's the answer. They could There could have been more watchers that just rebelled after the flood and, mm-hmm. and, and did it again. But... An interesting idea is the fact that 42% of all humans on the planet today have Neanderthal DNA in their bodies. 42% of all humans have Neanderthal DNA in their bodies. Mm. And if you run the DNA genealogy with every human that has Neanderthal DNA in their bodies, you can trace every single one back to three women. It's Mm. a fascinating study. Those that have the Neanderthal DNA are more prone to aggression. They are more prone to addiction. They are more susceptible to disease. It's a fascinating topic. I don't know that that's the answer, but it's a theory. Okay. Micah, thank you for taking the time to talk with us over these last two days. Thanks so much for having me, Josh. What did the Nephilim do to Elohim's creation? Did humans and dinosaurs coexist? How did men live into their 900s? What happened to the Garden of Eden? Find the answers to these and many more questions in the brand new book, The Earth As It Was, by Micah Van Hus. Join Micah as he takes a look at the antediluvian world and the overwhelming proof that the flood of Noah happened and changed the earth forever. You'll study the firmament talked about throughout Scripture and the effects that it had on humans. The Earth As It Was. Order your copy today when you call 1-800-652-1144. 
That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can always order online, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Lord willing, we'll be back here Monday, ready to once again bring clarity to the chaos. Don't miss a moment of Watchmen on the Wall. Download our SWRC mobile app or subscribe to our daily Watchmen on the Wall podcast. Head into the weekend, my friends, with the encouragement that God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. Watchmen on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Please visit our website, swrc.com. That's swrc.com.